Well, I'm sure that you will agree with me, um, and you don't have to, <clears throat> but there are really only two great, great categories of people in this world. There are people that have been saved by God's grace alone, and then there are lost people who are living their own lives, they're getting their preferences, they're doing as they please, and they're not paying attention uh, to God. And it's not based on gender, it's not based on age, it's not based on race, not natural, uh, national origin, it's not socioeconomic position, it's not education, it's not experiences, it's not expertise, it, it's not employment. In both groups, those people can be whatever they are. But among the lost, according to this parable, there are two different groups. There are ones that are law keepers. They are moral. They are self-righteous. They are self-confident. They are self-justifying. They are religious people. They may be Jews. They may be Muslims. They may be Hindus. They may be Buddhists. They may be in some cult. They may be a New Age group. They may be Mormons. They may, they, they may uh, be uh, Jehovah Witnesses. But in that same group of lost people, there are people that are passive, that are disinterested, they are neglectful. They don't think of God very much. They are rebels. They could be rejectors. Some are guilty of horrific sins. Some are boundless sinners. So you have those two groups. There are two kinds of sinners in this parable. There are two kinds of lostness. One sinner runs from God, runs from his father who represents God, and the other one stays at home, but you'll see that he is estranged from his father. He doesn't really know his father. He doesn't really love his father. And as Derek read for us in verse 1, you, you see who the audience is. It's those two groups. It is all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. That's the other group. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They spoke the truth because that is what God does. That's what God the Son does, even Jesus Christ. Well, so our first point is the, the, the depravity of sin by a despicable, rebellious son. He is full of ingratitude. He has forgotten who his father was from him. He, he, he took care of him as a baby. He showed him how to walk. He potty trained him. He loved his son. But his rebellion 
is not that he doesn't love his father, it's that he is that he loves what he has. He has these assets. He he has this in inheritance. <clears throat> and he asks for it. And there is no biblical precedence for asking for your inheritance before your parents die. He has a total disregard for his father's fervent love. I dare say there is not a father in this room who, who would not tell your son or your daughter, I would die for you. If the choice was between you dying and me dying, let them take me. Because your love is so great for your son and for your daughter. And then you'll notice in verse 12, the father distributed his assets. His father's heart is breaking, but, but, but he's going to give his son his preference and what he, and what he asks for. And, and in, in, his, in his depravity in verse 13, He's in a hurry. He's got no time to waste. He wants to go away to a far country, and he does. And there's no distance too far for him. He wants to get out from underneath his father's rule and not to be obligated. He wants to be what he thinks is free, but he's really not free. He's following the devil. He's ruled by sin. He doesn't know it. He's a slave of sin. And maybe his father dividing his assets is an aggravation of his sinfulness. That's all he wants. Just just give me the share of, of, of the estate that falls to me. It's a very, very sad, sad thing. Point number two is the uh, degrading, depressing, deprived circumstances that he finds himself in. Maybe you've heard this saying before. It's still true. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you there longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. That's what we have in in, uh, 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 verses 14 through 16. He goes to a faraway country. And in that faraway country, he squanders his inheritance. And God brings... uh, a difficult providence to that place. There's a famine, and he's far away, and he's reduced to nothing. He's been living foolishly, riotously, recklessly, and 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 now he's been called. He's a Jew. He's got to take care of these unclean animals 
They're pigs. They stink. They're dirty. They, they part the hoof, but they don't chew the cud. And this judgment has, has come upon him. And he's desiring. Nobody's doing anything for him. You can see that in, in, in verse 16. He's longing to feed his stomach with either the husks or the pods that they were eating. He's slowly, he's slowly starving. Numbers 32, uh, uh, 33 says, be sure your sin will find you out. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Don't die in your sins. Because it also says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's where it's found. Point number three is the decisive and sudden appearance of supernatural grace in his life. Verse 17 through 19. Verse 17 says, He came, He came to His senses. Some translations say he came to himself. From the human standpoint, in verse 18, you'll see him determining to get up and go. He's he's a new person. He's not discouraged. He's thinking about his father. And he's thinking about his sins. He says, I have sinned. He prepares his speech for his dad. He says uh, he's unworthy to be called his son. It's like uh, it's like a judge. If a judge says to a criminal or to someone who has done something wrong, there's not enough evidence here to convict you. The jury is not convinced of your guilt. You may go. You can go. But what does the Savior say? What does the judge of all the earth say? Does he say, go? He says, come. He says, come unto me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say go. He says, come. He says, in my father's house, there may be many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, where you can stay with me for eternity. I will come again and I'll take you to my Senate. 
so that where I am, you may be also. That, that's John 14, 2 through 3. Glorious, glorious Savior we have. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may re- receive what, is, what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And the reason that he can forgive sinners is because he's done it at his own expense. It was extremely costly But he gave his life on the cross and his sufferings and his absorption of the wrath of God for sinners, for sinners like you are and for sinners like I am. That's what he did. Point number four is simply this. The celebration and joy in in, uh, verses 19 through through 25 when his fa- his father saw him he saw him a long way off how did he see him a long way off he was looking for him he was missing his son he was longing for his son and so he was sitting on the porch as it were And looking out, and he saw his son. Was he filled with rage? Was he going to rebuke him? Was he say, you've done this, 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 and this? Was that what he was going to do? No. He ran to him. Why did he run to his son? Because he loved his son so much, his heart was full of compassion, full of joy, full of happiness to see his son. That's all he cared about was his son's welfare. That's what God is to us. He runs to us. In Isaiah 65, 2, God says, I have spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not right, that is not good, following their own desires. Luke 15, 7 says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 who need no repentance. What a hard thing. He is so happy in verses 22 and 23, the father says, a miracle has happened. There's been an interruption. There's been an intervention in my son's life. He was dead and now he's alive. It was Holy Spirit power. We, we sense the same thing. I just love it when we have a baptism here. When, when it's a young person, when it's an older person. What do we do when they come out of the water? We go. 
because we're so happy. It's such a celebration. They've come to Christ. They were joined to Christ in his life, in his death, and in, and, and in his resurrection. It's wonderful. That's how this father was. But you'll see then, there is a different kind of lostness then in verses 25 and, and 31. It's the elder son. He didn't run away. He saved. He's, he's working. He's slaving. He's serving. He, his dad is like a master to him. He says, I've never disobeyed. I've always obeyed your orders. He regards his father as a creditor to him. You owe me something. I've been a good boy. I've been a good son. Give me what I deserve. His sanctification, as it were, is his justification. Because I've, I've, I've been good. Where's my reward? I am not as wicked as this other son. His real joy is not in his father. He hardly knows his father. His father is a compassionate, giving, kind, loving person. He's filled up with himself. His self-love. He's, he's like the scribes and the Pharisees who want to be praised of men who do everything uh, to show that they're doing their duties. They, they style themselves the favorites of heaven. And who does Jesus pay attention to? Mary Magdalene. He cast out seven demons from her. She was the first person at the tomb. The Samaritan woman, she became a soul winner. She was a, a cast out from Judaism. He healed ten leprous men knowing that only one was going to come back and thank him. He expects to be thanked. He should be thanked. We should be living lives of thanks and praise to our Savior. He's done so much for us, hasn't he? Jesus says in, in, in Matthew 21, 31, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into heaven before you. What a rebuke that is to the scribes and Pharisees. In, in verse 20, let me see this right here. When this son got up and went to his father, 
his father saw him while I yet far away. And he saw that repentance. He saw that he changed. Charles Spurgeon says his face was still hot with the kisses of his father on his face as he made him as he made his way home. The elder son, full of self-will and self-absorption, he is not represented as have, as have coming into the party, to the celebration. He's too full of himself. What does he say about his brother? He doesn't even call him his brother. Verse 30, but when the son of yours came, the, the son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes. You slaughtered the fattened calf for him. We look in the last place then in, 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 in uh, uh, the final sentences of this chapter. In verse 31, he says, Son, he said to him, You are always with me. Everything I have is yours. He meant that. Everything that's left, the even division of my assets, it's yours. And, and, and what more he has is, is a father that is seeking him, that's entreating him to come, come and celebrate. He says in verse 32, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours, he's your brother, he's my son, you are my son too, was dead and is alive again. He was lost, now he is found. Glory, glory, glory. But that's how God is to us. I can give you some lessons then just in closing. And then I, I would like to quote a song to you that, that you probably have not heard. It's wonderful. No sinner is too distant or too far gone to be saved. Tax collectors, publicans, Prostitutes, sex traffickers, child abusers, cruel dictators, corrupt politicians, murderers, thieves, prolific sinners, idolaters, hypocrites, self-righteous, persecutors of the church, a a demon-possessed man that had a legion of devils in him. He can be saved. Glorious, glorious salvation. God the Father sent his Son to save sinners of every level or depth of sinfulness. No one is excluded except ones that exclude themselves. His grace is super abundant and freely offered in the gospel. 
of this worthy, victorious Savior, Jesus Christ. God is the initiator. He is the seeker. He and the finisher of saving faith. His grace must come first. Maybe you thought you decided. You did decide. I'm glad you decided. But he decided to save you first. He marked you out, if you are a Christian, before the foundation of the world. He has always loved you from all of eternity. And we are so unworthy of that. Repentance means turning from sin and confessing our righteous deeds as well as our sinful deeds as well, because none of those things can save us. None of them can. We have not deserved or earned anything but condemnation. The only thing that we contribute to salvation is our sinfulness. And God does everything else. We, we do nothing. Our works merit absolutely nothing. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are, are made holy in the same family. We are adopted sons and daughters, all coming at infinite expense. All coming from Jesus Christ. What is the wrath of God like for unrepentant sinners? It is an eternity in hell. He is so holy, so righteous, he cannot bear it. What did Christ suffer for us, for every single one of us? Those sinners in hell can never get out of hell. They will never get out of hell. The worm never dies. The fire is never extinguished. But he took that for every single one of us, for every single one of his people. That's why he could cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't feel forsaken. He was forsaken. He didn't feel sinful. He was made sin on our behalf that we might receive the righteousness of God. It's tremendous, tremendous, tremendous Savior. Resplendent. There's not words to describe what Christ has done for us. We can't do it. <laughs> Let me close with, a, with the words to a song. Just a part of this. Just a part of the song. I, I uh, sent this song to a, 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 a dear brother that had, had, had fallen miserably uh, from grace, and God granted him repentance, and, and he came all the way back. It's called, <laughs> When God Ran. You can Google that. It's by Craig and, and Dean Phillips, and, and, and you, you can hear the lovely tune that comes with it. Almighty God, the great I am, 
immovable rock, omnipotent, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, king of kings, mighty conqueror. The only time I ever saw him run was when he when he ran and took me in his arms and held my head to his chest and said, My sons, come home again. <laughs> Lifted my face, wiped my tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice. He said, Son, do you know that I still love you? He caught me by surprise. Just a few more words. I hope they touch your heart. The, the, the day I left home, I knew I had broken his heart. And I wondered then if things would ever be the same. Then one night... I remembered his love for me. And down that dusty road ahead, I could see. It was the only time. It was the only time I saw him run. I was so ashamed, but now I know he's been waiting for this day with forgiveness in his voice. I felt his love again. Shall we pray? <laughs> Dear God in heaven, our heavenly Father, your love is so great, we can't measure it. The ocean cannot contain it to the very depths. The atmosphere above us it seems infinite. Your love is beyond that. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for your running to us. In all of our wickedness, in all of our depravity, in all of our wretchedness. And working that miracle through the Holy Spirit and giving us a heart of flesh. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We worship you. How can we sin against you? We are so defiled. We are so, we, we lack so much sanctification. We still sin. And we sin against such a great and invincible God of love that is gripping us. It doesn't depend on our grip on you but your grip on us, how we praise you, how we want to carry these thoughts and, and know that we have the greatest treasure that, that transcends all other treasures. If the whole world were one massive gold, solid gold, it would not be worth what Christ has done for us. Thank you for this great salvation that we can never lose. And one day we will see you face to face. Oh, glorious day. We praise you and thank you.
in the precious name of our glorious, worthy, victorious, reigning Savior at your right hand. His name is Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen.